Hey everybody, this is Dr. Chris Griffin. Welcome again to another episode of the Dental Headlines Podcast. Uh, today I just wanted to touch base with you guys. I have uh, come across a couple of interesting things since our last podcast, and I told you I would keep you updated. The first thing I would uh, touch is an update. So uh, last time we talked about the No Surprises Act and how that it appeared it was going to affect uh, even private dental offices, um, but that the ADA had said that they would let their members know if that if they had a uh, change in the interpretation of the law. And so I suppose that has happened, right? So in the, in the interest of keeping you completely updated, um, the ADA News, the, uh, this is the January 10th edition, which just arrived at my office uh, last week. But uh, this has, uh, this has a, an article by Jennifer Garvin called The ADA Addresses the No Surprise Act Questions. And apparently there were a lot of questions. So uh, here we go. The ADA has received questions from member dentists regarding the No Surprises Act and whether this bill potentially affects their dental practice. Um, all right, so to help clear up the confusion on the new law, the ADA has created the following Q&A. And we've got to assume the ADA has our back, right? So I believe they do. So let's just see what they had to say about this. Um, question, what is the No Surprises Act answer in December 2020? Blah, blah, blah. The uh, Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021 was enacted, and it contains many provisions to help protect consumers from surprise bills. Okay? And it goes on to say, uh, new rules aimed to protect con consumers. Excessive out-of-pocket costs will be restricted, and emergency services must continue to be covered without any prior authorization, regardless of whether a provider or facility is in network. Um, so there, here's the big question. Are dentists subject to the No Surprises Act? Their answer, for the most part, no, because dental benefits are considered accepted benefits, E-X-cepted benefits. We talked about that last time. Under the new law, the surprise billing rule applies to group health claims and health insurance insur uh, issuers. The ADA has heard about infrequent cases where the surprise billing dispute resolution provision um, could apply. For example, embedded dental benefits working with a medical plan. I don't even know what that is. I don't think we ever deal with it much, if ever. Uh, but it says this could be subject to the rule. But the treatment would need to be done in an out-of-network hospital or ambulatory center under a plan with no out-of-network reimbursement, I guess, for that to be the case. It says this is rare and can be solved on an ad hoc basis <coughs> by plans. Okay? So their answer there is... For the most part, no. Okay. Uh, next question. There's only there's only a couple more here. So what what healthcare facilities are included under the No Surprises Act? Their answer, according to the law, hospitals, ambulatory surgical centers, rural health centers, and federally qualified health centers are all examples of healthcare facilities that are included in the No Surprises Act. Big 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 sentence here. Private dental practices are not included in this definition. Okay? So there you go. I mean, that's, the ADA has updated its members, uh, and I being one am reading their update, and it appears that their stance is private dental practices are not included in this definition. So, hey, all that stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, I guess you can forget it as far as the ADA is concerned. Once again, I personally 
am not a lawyer and do not understand this language, but I'm going to take the ADA's word for it, right? So there you go. Sorry if I uh, pre preemptively made you a little concerned. So there you go. They said, wait for more guidance. Here's their more guidance. So I'm going to stop worrying about it. Now, let's talk about something else that just popped up. Now, this just popped up this week, and I just thought, if you're not paying close attention to this, I would love for you to uh, see what's going on in the world. So I don't know how many of you guys have hygienists, right? I've got I've got four hygienists. I have four full-time hygienists on my payroll. So I've got a lot of hygienists, okay? Uh, yeah, I love my hygienists. I do. I really do love my hygienists. Uh, if you've heard me lecture over the last 12 years, you've definitely, <laughs> you have discovered uh, that I like to make jokes about my hygienists and everybody else's hygienists because they're just funny to talk about, right? It's just a funny thing. I mean, uh, they're just different than us. And they have a different perspective, and that's okay. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just the way it is. Like, uh, I don't know, you guys, I know you've been to a CE course lately, and um, if the provider is like ADA or AGD certified to do uh, the course, at the end of the course you have to fill out this evaluation sheet, you know, one through five, was the speaker any good, or were they terrible, blah, blah, blah. And then it gives a little section for comments. And so this is the truth. Um, I've collected these for years now, and I'm telling you, whenever you see a comments section that has either numbered points or bullet points, uh, capitalized words, underlined words, multiply underlined words, um, so many comments that the writing has to go into the the side of the sheet. You know, they maybe sometimes turn the sheet sideways with an arrow and continue the comments way past the comment section. That's always going to be a hygienist. It's been my experience. Um, you're not going to see that kind of effort in the comment section. Uh, talking from from a dentist is usually not going to provide that for you. Uh, you know, we're lucky to even sign our name. <laughs> we're lucky to draw a straight line down the number fives uh, and then sign our name. Right? An assistant. It's been my experience. We don't get a lot of comments from the assistants and uh, certainly not a lot of complaints. But you will occasionally get the hygienist who just really wants to let you know how you did. And, uh, you know, 99% of the time, they're going to let you know it wasn't that great and you could have done a lot better. And uh, it's not like that in our office, certainly not in my hygiene practice. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I came across a, an article, um, you know, our, one of our favorites, the RDH, RDHmag.com, okay, RDHmag. I don't get the physical magazine, but I am on their mailing list. So um, there you go. Um, but there was an article in the February 2nd, February 2nd, 2022 edition, online edition. It's probably in the print edition, too. Um, the title of this article is The Three Ships in Quotation Marks colon navigating the dental hygienist shortage oh i see what they're saying they're not the three ships navigating the dental hygienist shortage the three ships quotes navigating the dental hygienist shortage well first off thank you for the title i did not know there was a dental hygiene shortage i did not know that uh, once again i have four on staff um 
So I, you know, I could if I was if this was Major League Baseball or something, I would be in the market for the trade deadline. We could probably be looking at a trade somewhere. So I'm, you know, I could probably definitely load up. I'd be happy to trade one and get some assistance and maybe a little front office help for my one hygienist. But um, you know, I'm joking. If you're one of my hygienists hearing this, hey, it's not. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> okay. All right. So <clears throat> anyway, she says that. So the subhead. The subhead to the article um, says dental hygienists are a practice's lifeline. And, hey, I, once again, thank you for pointing that out because I did not realize that, that you guys were that. So thank you for I – need, I need to make sure in my mind that I'm putting you on the proper pedestal. So that's right, right there in the first sentence of the subhead. And it says there's a huge uh, Donald Trump word shortage of them. Okay. Once again, didn't know. Thanks for telling me. But doesn't have to be that way. So Bethany Montoya, RDH, um, she wrote this article, and she lays out how focusing on relationship, ownership, and leadership can make all the difference. So I'm curious. I want to read the article, right? So I kind of see relationship, ownership. Okay. Um, I don't practice in Colorado, so I don't know much about ownership and hygienists uh, and leadership. Uh, so so let's go on down and let's read a little bit more of this article. So, uh, you know, they, they uh, uh, I guess Bethany, and Bethany, it's a nice article, Bethany. So she's, she goes on to say, um, within the past two years, at least in Bethany's practice, we've had to completely change the way we approach clinical care uh, with our patients and make some major shifts in the way we do business. Um, and, I, yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, COVID's definitely thrown a kink in a lot of practices. One of the most common issues that has plagued practices nationwide is the shortage of qualified team members. I would also say, yeah, it's been harder to hire. It's been harder to hire auxiliaries, period, because, you know, our benevolent, um, all-knowing government has seen fit to pay people not to work, for at least for a bulk of this time. So I get you. I'm with you right now. Um you can consider yourself fortunate if you have a fully staffed hygiene department. I guess, thanks. I guess I do. I should. I should definitely feel more fortunate. Thank you for telling me. Uh, as a growing number of businesses are scrambling to find coverage each day, resulting in decreased patient satisfaction and lost revenue. And I suppose it's mainly the decreased, decreased, the, the decreased patient satisfaction is going to be from the patients who liked the hygienist. I guess if you have a shortage of a hygienist who that wasn't beloved, I know they're rare birds, right? Hard to find one. Uh, I guess at least you're not ticking off patients if you have a shortage of a hygienist they didn't love. Anyway, so here's the big kicker. And I love this sentence. I love the hyperbole. And I'm a big hyperbole guy, right? So uh, here we go. No, here we go. Let's get ready. Okay. Let's be real. Co uh, co uh, colon. Let's be real. The hygiene department truly is the lifeline of the practice, okay? That's a pretty bold statement. So so this is a so in this particular article, we're putting the hygiene department, okay, up here. Um it's the lifeline. So I guess, you know, if you cut that off, death to the practice. No no practice. So, you know, forget about the emergency patients or someone who's in pain or or has a major problem that's not in pain, but that there's a problem that needs fixing, as we say down here in the South. 
Um, no, the hygiene department truly, the truly is the lifeline of the practice. I love the use of the word truly there. It just sort of pops and makes you understand, hey, guy, I know you were thinking that it was your skills and your ability to get people out of pain that was the lifeline of this practice. No, no, no. Nope, it's the hygiene department. Okay, fine. Okay, I get it. I'm in my place. Um, says this is where lasting relationships are formed with patients, and I don't disagree with that, based on a personal connection and trust. I also think that's accurate. Good. Um, it's also, now this gets a little interesting. I don't understand the viewpoint. It's also where successful diagnosis and acceptance occur as a direct result of that bond. Okay. Now, I know there's a misunderstanding because right when I read that sentence, I almost want to believe that when it says a direct result of that bond, so it goes back to the previous sentence, okay, so they're saying, okay, the bond between the patient and the hygienist, which I do believe is a thing, and then it says, you know, that the successful diagnosis and acceptance occur as a direct result of that bond. So let me just make sure, and maybe somebody could write a letter to the editor and explain this to me, but um, are, are we trying to say here that if it were not for the hygienist or the hygiene department that the doctor would not be able to have successful diagnosis, diagnosis or case acceptance? Just making sure, because I first off, I know we're not saying the hygienist diagnose. Okay, I know we're not saying that. This is as crazy talk, right? Because that's not even a thing. It's like illegal most places, as far as I know. But let's so I'm just so so let's say there was no hygiene department, like they say, cuts off the lifeline. Patient comes in with a toothache. I'm assuming there's no way that that patient is ever going to accept your treatment diagnosis of hey man, let's do a root canal or an extraction, because there's no bond there. Okay, fine. So then they go on to say, when the hygiene department suffers, there is a profound ripple effect of patient disengagement that unquestionably impacts the overall health of the practice. So okay. So I mean, once again, we got to we got the word truly. We've got the word, um, but we've got the word unquestionably. I mean, okay, guys. I think we're starting to get it. The at least the rdhmag.com folks, we believe that this hygiene department is indispensable. I mean, indispensable. Um, okay. Um, patients are less likely to accept treatment recommendations from a provider they've never met before or have spent very little time with. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. Is it the hygienist practice or the dentist practice? I don't know. Maybe they're talking about patients follow the hygienist from practice to practice i know that would never happen so like i've got a buddy who his hygienist was like looking for a job on the side and he didn't know about it and so for two weeks before she quit she ran off a bunch of pages out of dentrix and then called all the patients as soon as uh, she left immediately and started saying hey i'm over here now come to me i mean i hope they're not <laughs> sure this i'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt there's no way they're implying that right no way they're implying that I don't know, but it, the, the way I read the sentence is like the uh, the patients are following the hygienist and they have the bond with them, but then, hey, if there's no hygienist there, of course they're not going to listen to the doctor uh, who they have never met before. That is, that's tough. I mean, are they talking about an associate or something? But I don't, I don't know. Um, that is, you know, but I'm with you because, hey, what do we know? 
from having to get like nearly a 4.0 in undergrad and then having to go through four years of almost tortuous hell to get a DDSD or DMD degree. And then to go out there and actually figure out a way to make a living in uh, sweat and blood every single day. You're right. I don't know why a patient would ever listen to us. So let's, let's continue. So um, they go on to say, with the mass exodus of hygienists, we need to rethink the way we've always done things to keep the ones who have remained. <laughs> okay. All right. We've got to keep those who've remained. Uh, all right. Attract the best new talent and restore the balance within the practice. Is this the force? This is the force. This is Star Wars. Okay. Now I get it. The force. Use the force. If the hygienists get out of balance on one side, it's like, I don't know if they're the Jedi or if they are uh, the Sith. Right? I'm showing that I'm a geek right now. I don't know which one they are, but I see it's like a balance in between good and evil, hygienists and dentists. Okay. I, I appreciate the, uh, I can see it now. So, um, all right. So, when considering the possible solutions for the future, they all seem to fall into one of three ships. And here's the question, quotation mark, ships again. So, we got three ships. Three ships. One is relationship. Two is ownership, which I'm still curious about. And three is leadership. Uh, with a genuine, steadfast focus on these areas, we can work together to create a better environment than what existed in the past, improving conditions for every facet. Uh, okay, so let's see. Relationship, blah, blah, blah. We get it. Um, you know, hygienists are definitely a part of the dental team. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. They're talking about... Uh, the moment we shake hands and say the words welcome to the team, we enter the employee-employer relationship. Uh, many consider this relationship similar to a marriage. This is awesome. This is so awesome. Um, this is either here nor there. But, you know, there's a big dental event every year that I've been to before, but I have not gone to the after-hours parties because I'm just a geek anyway. But I've just learned recently there's a lot of hooking up at these things between dentists and hygienists. So, I mean, hey. If you're already in a marriage, now I'm, listen, I'm not, I don't know why I said that out loud, but it's true that this meeting does have, a, apparently, I've heard from multiple sources, a, a, a history of hookups between dentists and hygienists. So anyway, and here we are in this article, many consider the, this relationship between the dentist and the hygienist similar to a marriage, um, as, as, as the ones that last the longest are built on mutual trust, respect, and commitment. Uh, okay, you know, a lot of things that relationships are built on, but anyway. Uh, you might see sparks fly during the interview. I'm, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble not cracking up. You might see sparks fly during the interview and feel an immediate chemistry between you and your prospective candidate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, but this alone is not enough to maintain a healthy long-term working relationship. I, I kid you not. I had a guy. <laughs> I've had a guy call me before and tell me, "Hey, hey, Griff, I've got this. You've got to. You can. Will you hire my employee? Because I've got to get rid of her. There's. I've got to get her out of town." Now, I didn't ask any questions, but I wonder if it was one of these things like sparks flew during the interview, you had immediate chemistry, and then next thing you know, oh, you didn't, we didn't maintain a healthy long-term relationship. Okay, whatever. But, uh, man, the innuendo in this article is crazy. Uh, maybe I've just got a dirty mind. Anyway, all right. So, um, 
anyway, I'm just skipping through here. A lot of a lot of words that I don't know what that really matters. Uh, respect. Now, this is a big one. A lot of hygienists feel disrespected. So let's see what they said here. Respect is another element that's vital for a healthy working relationship. Many hygienists feel they're merely viewed as teeth cleaners and not the prevention specialists, and that is in italics, that they are trained and educated to be. Okay, I've never heard that term in my life, prevention specialist. In fact, um, is prevention a recognized ADA specialty? Maybe it's a recognized ADHA specialty. Um, so it says, taking a genuine interest in the profession of dental hygiene will let your RDH know that you value the important role they play in your practice. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, being asked opinions such as, what do you think about this case? Um, will tell your hygienist that you view them as an equal and are open to learning from them. I cannot, this is, I, I'm not going to edit this. This is my first time I've read this whole thing. I read the first paragraph and I did not know it was this good. I swear to you guys, this is awesome. <clears throat> okay, let's, let's rewind. Taking a genuine interest in the profession of dental hygiene will let your RDH know that you value the important role they play in your practice. Being asked opinions such as what do you think about this case will tell your hygienist that you view them as an equal and are open to learning from them. Is that sinking in? Is anybody else, Is it, am I being punked here? You guys go, you got to Google this, rdhmag.com, February 2nd edition, and see if this is like just on my computer and I've been hacked. Okay. All right, I'm getting it together. Um, Including their picture and bio on your practice website shows that you're proud to have them on your team and want your patients to get familiar uh, ordering personalized business cards communicates that you view them as a vital part of the business. Okay, photos, business cards, got it. Another, I, I may, I may lose it on this. So the next subheading here is ownership. Make RDHs your partners in business. This is not maybe in Colorado. Maybe I don't know, but anyway, anywhere else, I don't think. Okay. While they may not formally be your business partners, hygienists want to be your partners in business. The reason so many RDHs are leaving the clinical realm for entrepreneurial pursuits is they have an innate ownership mentality that is not encouraged in the traditional practice environment. Okay, Allowing your hygienists the freedom to plan and execute change within their department is a great way to empower them, while also enabling your practice to say, progressive and patient centric so let me translate what i'm reading and i don't put words in bethany's mouth and she wrote the sentence the way i just read it okay so allowing your hygienist to execute change within the department so um so to stay patient centric we've got to let the hygienist pretty much do what they want to do is the way i read that i'm sorry if i'm reading it wrong i apologize i'm just telling you what i'm reading um, providing a monthly hygiene budget gives them a sense of authority to make decisions based on what products and supplies fit their individual preferences. Okay, so 
I know that for 12 years I've talked about, hey, we need to standardize everything in the dental practice. It really helps cut down overhead and helps the flow. And if something weird happens, like somebody's out sick or on vacation or pregnant or whatever, that, you know, we can plug somebody else in as long as there's standards. The patients, you know, don't get, you know, it just seems like everything's running smoothly and, and it, people don't get confused. But apparently, according to this article, they would prefer if you just give them a, an amount of money every month, okay, a budget, and let them do what they want to do, what supplies, what products, blah, blah, blah. Um, during the hiring process, you'll quickly earn your hygienist respect by providing a copy of your office manual and a detailed offer letter. A detailed offer letter? Okay. That outlines the conditions of their employment. Duties, salary, working hours, benefits, time off, bonus structure. Not only does this document provide clarity for you, uh, it also speaks volumes about your expectation of excellence. Um, okay. Um, you might also consider offering salary compensation in lieu of traditional hourly pay. Hourly employees are paid for the number of hours they work, whereas salaried employees are paid for what they contribute to the business. Um, coming in early and staying later are often necessary to fully own an area and do a job well. Paying a salary upholds that mindset. Also, and I don't think, know if she thought of this, but if, you pay, if you're getting paid a salary, you also can leave, like if you get a migraine, leave for the day. And you're still getting paid. So, it, you know, it's win-win, right? Win for us because they're coming in early and staying late, just like it says in the article, and win for, win for the hygienists when they get sick and leave early or something comes up and they just don't want to come in. So, okay, just making sure. Got to keep that balance. Got to keep that force balanced. Okay. And then the last subhead, leadership, uh, invest in growth and create opportunities for fulfillment. A lot of this is just stuff that I've, you know, read. It's pretty simple stuff. Um, for a hygienist, there's nothing more exciting than learning about a new area of our profession. Um, coming back to the practice with a high level of energy to implement what, what they've learned. Uh, strategizing how we'll use our budget to implement the change and sharing our game plan with the team. And I, yeah, it's been my experience all these years. There's nothing more exciting to a hygienist than, than learning something new and coming back to the practice with a high level of energy to implement it. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, the hygienist, it finishes up by saying the hygienist shortage is real. So if if it's, look, guys, and I apologize, if it's not, I know I'm joking around and we got four hygienists and we probably need like three. But if you're having a shortage, it's I'm sorry, it is tough. And it is tough to have a shortage, of, and I get it. So I apologize if I'm joking. If, I, if I'm hurting your feelings by joking around about this, but I'm just wanting to understand the perspective of the hygienist. So this uh, article says, we don't know when this will end. In the hygiene profession, we're working to improve our mindset, our knowledge, and our contributions to the field of health care. We know that we have, to, we have work to do, and we see room for us to improve. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, perhaps the pandemic initiated a hygiene purge of sorts, weeding out hygienists who were not passionate about the profession in the first place and uh, needed a change. Um, those of us who are left, however, would love nothing more than to see our role collectively evolve. Um, and so, uh, well, wait, whoa. See our role collectively evolve, mesh, and progress with dentistry in a holistic way. All right, that's a, 
That's out of left field. I didn't see that coming. I'm not sure what that means. It's too late in the article to figure it out. Uh, when we partner together and approach this unprecedented time as a united front, there are no limits to what we can achieve in our patient care within our team and our bottom line. Uh, okay, well, that's pretty benign ending to that. Anyway, I'm all for it. Great article. Um, great article. If we can get all that delivered on, that would be tremendous. So I would also just remind you guys that the uh, – not rdhmag.com, but the uh, – do you guys remember the ADHA interim guidance on uh, returning to work? I just want to – I just don't want to let that one drop so easily because they did uh they did come out with they did come out with that about two years ago during the height of the pandemic, you know, when the states were allowing us to go back to work and uh they were putting a lot of rules that they felt need to be observed for hygienists to safely come back to the office. And I just wonder, just looking back two years ago at how the hygienists they talked you know, talked kinda of rough to us at the times. You know, I don't know if you remember, but they were saying about us uh Talking about us dentists and and um, you know, hey, I, I, now I'm not saying I forgot exactly who said this when, but somewhere it was mentioned that if your dentist is not following all these uh, CDC guidelines or whatever, that you needed to uh, report them. I'm not saying it was in these guidelines. Somebody said that somewhere, and I think I made a little Facebook video on my Facebook group that um, man, that hurt my feelings bad that, that the hygienist. We're, you know, holding out and, and, you know, wanting us to do all this stuff, which has proven now, two years later, that a lot of stuff that was being recommended back then is just totally not possible and didn't matter, right? Um, but just remember that, remember that uh, the, at least the, the administration of the dental hygienists have said that, have done some interesting things to us in the past. Um, and this article, you know, is probably a well-meaning article, and they're, they've got a... a this is mostly going to hygienists, right? And I'm just, as a dentist, I read it, and I found it very interesting, some of the wording, some of the verbiage. Um, and everybody wants a good, everybody wants to have good hygienists that do a good job with the patients and are part of the team, no doubt about it. Uh, there, But there are, there are instances where the hygienists maybe tiptoe over the line as, and don't really quite understand where the dentists are coming from. I just want to make sure all you guys... Um, no, there's always, like I say, there's, uh, it is like the force, right? Uh, there's, there's us and the hygienists. We all have different perspectives. A lot of times there's a clashing effect there. And uh, anyway, so as we leave today, one other thing in the ADA news I just wanted to touch on because this guy is a great guy, and uh, he's a longtime member of the Facebook group, and he's been coming to courses I've put on for many years, uh, Dr. Dr. Giles Willis. Now, um you know, I'm ashamed to say I did not even know this, but uh, but Dr. Giles, um, he apparently got he was on the Kelly Clarkson show. Now Kelly Clarkson, uh, I mean, she's a great singer, right? I used to uh, have some of her songs on my main playlist when I would uh, when I would do like be on my tractor uh, working on the weekends and stuff. But um, anyway, uh, Kelly uh, has has given D Giles a big award. On a, on a show that aired December 1st when Christmas comes around. And um, she gave him a lot of money, or well, I say a lot, $100,000 to help with his setting up his new practice in Arkansas. And he's uh, apparently this practice in a, is in a real rural part of the state. 
is probably, I think it says that uh, Lafayette County, Arkansas, um, it's not had a dental practice in 20 years. And, um, man, how awesome is that? Because, Giles, he's been in North Carolina. It says in the article he finally um, sold his practice in North Carolina. I hope you got top dollar, Giles. And, came, and now he's coming to, uh, to Arkansas to set up shop. Um, Stamps, Arkansas. What a great name. Stamps, Arkansas, population 1,700. Um, so anyway, they use the hundred grand. It looks like they've got at least the time of press here. One room available to the to the public. Um, soft opening in November, I guess a real opening in December. But he's an awesome guy. I have no doubt that Giles is going to kick butt in Arkansas. And uh, hey, man, reconnect with me sometime and let us know how you're doing, and we'll we'll update everybody on the show here. So anyway, that's a good feel good thing to send you guys off with. That's that's what I got out of the dental headlines this week. And um, if there's anything else, if I missed it, I will try to update you guys on the next show. Oh, and I almost forgot. Um, hey, if you guys would like to come out to one of our upcoming lectures, boy, the dance card's really getting full. Of course, all my lectures these days are on 3D printing. That's all I really care to talk about. I don't do much more practice management, although you get a little practice management in there with it. I can't help myself. At least I have to tell you guys how to make it fit into your practice the way I do. I mean, that's the main experience I have. But anyway, uh, if you guys are in Oklahoma, uh, coming up real soon, February 17th, we're going to be speaking in Tulsa, Oklahoma. February 18th, Oklahoma City. These are the two-hour study club lectures. Uh, make 3D printing a big winner for your practice. Um, we'd love to have you guys. Uh, also, if you're in Alabama, April 14th, Huntsville, Alabama. April 21st, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, if you want to go to my website, drchrisgriffin.com, up at the top, there's a tab that says Upcoming Speaking Events. We'll keep that updated. There's information on there how to sign up if you'd like to come to those. Um, also, the two-day hands-on workshops where, you know, you get a real huge bang for your buck there. You bring a team member, and you guys learn how to actually do this stuff in your practice. Um, coming up March 4th and 5th, it's actually in my practice, Ripley, Mississippi. Um, we're going to be teaching this in my own practice, which is actually a pretty cool benefit because you can see everything we do. Uh, if you're in Oklahoma, once again, April 8th and 9th, we're going to be doing our two-day workshop there in Oklahoma City and June the 3rd and the 4th in Birmingham, Alabama. And then if you guys are by any chance in the AGD and coming to the annual session down in Orlando this year, on July 28th, I'm actually delivering two lectures on 3D printing. I'm, I'm, I'm delivering one lecture, basically the same study club lecture, make 3D printing a big winner, but um, also doing a one-hour case study lecture on immediate dentures, you know, how to, how to do immediate dentures in a couple of days in your practice with 3D printing. So... Anyway, uh, if you guys are interested in that, or if you even if you just know it's a big thing and it's coming, and you just want to learn more, I'd love to meet you guys in person. So come, come hang out with me. I'm, you know, hey, I don't get to Oklahoma very often. So if you're in Oklahoma, and would love to see you, or anywhere, we'd just love to to meet you guys. Or just hit me up if you've got any questions or anything. Um, just hit me up on my email, uh, drchrisgriffin at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll we'll connect. All right, guys, I will see y'all next time.